This is the Voice Overwork Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services. Today is Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. On the podcast today, we take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at How to Make Better Decisions, 14 Smart Tactics for Curbing Your Biases, Managing Your Emotions, and Making Fearless Decisions in Every Area of Your Life. Written by Damon Zariatis, narrated by Russell Newton. How We Make Decisions. You cannot make progress without making decisions. Jim Rohn. We like to think we make decisions logically. We imagine ourselves meticulously weighing our options and choosing the most rational one given our circumstances. In reality, we tend to rely on our intuition and emotions in the moment. This is certainly the case when we make unimportant decisions that have minimal effect on our quality of life, e.g. what we eat. But we also do so when making decisions that carry greater consequences, e.g. starting a family. While emotions are unquestionably beneficial in most situations, they complicate the decision-making process. The Role of Emotion in Decision-Making Humans act with emotion. We think with emotion. We deliberate with emotion. Everything we do is done from an emotional perspective. This may seem counterproductive, but it's actually a welcome trait. We need emotion to live rewarding lives. So we should expect emotion to play a significant role when we make decisions. Emotion may seem like the antithesis of logic and, therefore, an obstacle to our making rational choices, but it serves as a valuable guide. Having said that, it's important to prevent our emotions from playing a dominant role in our decision-making. Allowing them to control the process makes us impulsive. This impulsiveness prompts us to make irrational choices that result in poor outcomes. Our emotions may also paralyze us. If we allow them control, they can provoke fear and anxiety in the face of uncertainty. This leads to indecision, which can be just as harmful as making a terrible decision. Our emotions also open the door to biases. Our personal feelings make us more inclined to consider some options and less inclined. Tactic number five, limit your options. Choices are the hinges of destiny. Edwin Markham. We tend to believe having options is an advantage. The more options, the better. It's true to a point, but it's also possible to have so many options in front of us that they impede our decision-making. The seemingly limitless choices make us susceptible to decision fatigue and ultimately lead to indecision. You've no doubt experienced this effect firsthand. Recall the last time you visited a grocery store to buy an unfamiliar item, e.g. salad dressing. Did the sheer volume of choices seem overwhelming to you? Think back to the last time you picked a novel to read. Did you have difficulty choosing from the millions of titles available? Ever shop for a piece of furniture and been stunned into indecision by the plethora of options? Choice is freedom, but choice overload can exhaust and paralyze us. It can also sap our confidence and even make us feel powerless with regard to selecting the wisest option. Fortunately, 
There's a simple way to avoid this problem. Curtail the number of options under our consideration. The fewer options we must consider, the easier it'll be to choose from among them. This tactic will accelerate our decision-making, and as you'll see, it'll do so without forcing us to sacrifice the quality of our options. Moreover, this tactic will reward us with greater clarity and peace of mind concerning our selections. Following are three things you can easily do to reduce the number of options in front of you. Number one, reject the overcomplicated options. The greater the complexity of an option, the more suspicious we should be of its maker. Tactic number six, perform a go-no-go no go evaluation. More is lost by indecision than wrong decision. Indecision is the thief of opportunity. Marcus Tullius Cicero. Many of us struggle with a predisposition for going with our gut when making decisions. We know intuitively that doing so is unwise, yet the urge is often irrepressible. There's a reason for this. It's hard-coded into our minds. Our ancestors relied on their gut instincts for survival. It helped them to make quick decisions when information was limited. These days, however, we can quickly and easily obtain more information than is helpful to us. We no longer need to rely on our gut. The go-no-go no go evaluation all but eliminates this dependency. This model is typically used by business analysts to determine whether companies should move forward with select projects. For them, it involves feasibility studies, painstaking financial analysis, and collaboration with subject matter experts. We don't need to go this far, not even close. With a few smart tweaks, we can create a go-no-go no go evaluation model that's both easy and effective for our day-to-day -day decisions. It'll serve the same purpose as it does for business analysts, but stripped of unnecessary complexity. Let's boil the model down to four simple steps. The four-step go-no-go evaluation process. Much of our decision-making involves whether we should take advantage of considered opportunities. For example, should we take on a promising new client for a fledgling business? Should we move to a new city, state, or province? Should we get an advanced degree, adopt a child, or... Tactic number seven, create a weighted pros and cons list. The correct way to do it, and three pitfalls to avoid. There's no decision that we can make that doesn't come with some sort of balance or sacrifice. Simon Sinek You've no doubt created pros and cons lists before. If not formally by listing items on a piece of paper, then at least doing so in your head. Creating such lists seems like a simple task, but to make a pros and cons list truly meaningful, useful, and actionable, you must take a more methodical approach. And with a bit of creativity, you can produce a list that all but tells us the best course of action. Why Pros and Cons Lists Are Valuable Aids in Decision-Making This tool is particularly useful when we're faced with two simple options, to move forward on a given decision or to abandon it. There are no other viable choices. In such circumstances, a Pros and Cons List provides us a bird's-eye view of the situation. If constructed properly, 
It improves our understanding of the relevant issues and gives us a simple, fast way to evaluate one path against the other. Additionally, the exacting thoroughness required to create an effective pros and cons list encourages emotional distance from the problem at hand. The rigor of the process invokes dispassion. That's advantageous, as powerful emotions can cause us to make imprudent decisions that lead to poor outcomes. How to Create an Effective Pros and Cons List The process involves five simple steps. You'll be familiar with most of them, although the final two steps may surprise you. Tactic number eight, create a decision checklist. Life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. John C. Maxwell We sometimes have difficulty making big decisions because we're emotionally invested in the outcome or in select factors associated with our choices. This can lead us to make more errors in judgment and overlook important variables. A decision checklist is a tool that helps us to manage ourselves while making decisions. It keeps our emotions in check. By asking specific questions, we can more easily control our biases, prevent or at least minimize mistakes, and ultimately engineer the best possible outcomes given our circumstances. Below we'll discuss how decision checklists aid us in choosing between competing options and explore several best practices that'll optimize our results. Decision Checklists 101 Numerous obstacles impede our ability to make effective decisions. On any given day, our attention is divided across multiple demands. Our energy levels wane as the day progresses. We're forced to put out small fires, preventing them from growing into full-blown emergencies. We're busy, tired, hungry, and sometimes in a bad mood. And then there are the cognitive biases that chip away at our ability to think rationally and logically. It's no wonder we regularly make decisions that lead to disappointing results. The decision-making process becomes a blur in the busyness of our day. Decision checklists bring into focus the critical factors associated with decisions. The questions we design direct our attention. They help us to concentrate on our priorities and suppress our Tactic number nine, challenge your assumptions. Making good decisions is a crucial skill at every level. Peter Drucker. Assumptions limit our frame of mind. They cause us to presuppose that certain options are infeasible or impractical. On the one hand, assumptions serve as a protective measure. Our minds try to fill in the blanks when we're faced with the unknown. If we don't fully understand a situation, we assume things about it as a way to navigate the uncertainty. The problem is, our assumptions are often inaccurate. Whether we make them about strangers, new places, or unfamiliar circumstances, we usually get things wrong. This habit can thus wreak havoc with our decision-making. If we make bad assumptions, we risk making terrible choices. For this reason, we must always be willing to challenge our assumptions. We must regularly test them to check whether they can withstand scrutiny. Are they based on reliable data, information, and experience? Or have we simply manufactured narratives to fill in the blanks? Below, 
we'll go through the process of identifying our assumptions and evaluating them. It's a methodical but relatively quick procedure. List your assumptions. Whether we recognize our assumptions depends on our self-awareness. Some of our beliefs are so deeply entrenched that they go unnoticed by us. Others are more conspicuous, but we avoid thinking about them because we know intuitively they are unsound or unfair. The first step toward challenging our assumptions regarding a particular decision is to write them down. I recommend doing this on a blank sheet of paper rather than doing so digitally, i.e. on a laptop, a phone, or a tablet. Writing things down stimulates the brain. Tactic number 10. Ignore the sunk cost fallacy. Once the decision is made, do not look back. Do not second-guess your decisions. Muhammad Ali It's almost impossible to make good, rational decisions when you're worried about the money or time we've already spent. These past expenditures often cause us to feel obligated to commit to imprudent choices. We do so because we've already invested in them. We've already devoted resources to them. Abandoning them feels wrong to us. So we end up staying the course. We remain committed, even though we know intuitively that we're on the wrong path. This is the sunk cost fallacy. It's a psychological trap that discourages us from cutting our losses and changing course, even when it makes good sense to do so. As you can imagine, the sunk cost effect can ruin our decision-making. Below, we'll explore some examples of how it affects our decisions and discuss several tactics we can use to minimize its influence on us. Examples of the sunk cost effect on our decisions. Sunk costs are spent resources that cannot be retrieved. When this resource is money, examples include non-refundable concert tickets, college tuition, and gym membership fees. The resource can also be time. Here examples include watching movies, pursuing an advanced degree, or learning martial arts. In each of these cases, the spent resource, whether money or time, cannot be recouped. Sunk costs are difficult for us to ignore. The investment of money or time creates an emotional attachment. We feel committed and become disinclined to let go. Additionally, many of us are unwilling to waste our resources. Tactic number 11. Identify and avoid information overload. We live in a world where there is more and more information and less and less meaning. Jean Baudrillard we need facts, figures, and other forms of information to make effective decisions. Without them, we're forced to blindly follow our gut feelings and intuition. So a critical part of making healthy, productive, rational choices is searching for and acquiring reliable information. Having said that, it's possible to have too much of a good thing. While reliable information is indispensable to the decision-making process, it can also become a detriment. Too much can overwhelm us. It's possible to become so inundated with information that we become paralyzed with indecision. This is information overload in a nutshell. How information overload happens and how it harms the decision-making process. We have access to more information at our fingertips 
than at any time in history. The Internet allows us to obtain details about every subject imaginable within seconds. With a few hours of research, we can obtain more information than we can possibly use. We can advance from a state of ignorance to one of enlightenment on any topic we desire. This seems like a boon, but it can easily become a burden, particularly when we're trying to sort through multiple options and select the best one. Information overload occurs when the volume of incoming data exceeds our ability to process it. The information becomes unmanageable. Ideally, our brains would simply cut off the flow of incoming information when we have enough to make an effective decision. Tactic number 12. Use mental models to make better choices. Truly successful decision-making relies on a balance between deliberate and instinctive thinking. Malcolm Gladwell Mental models are extremely useful tools that have myriad applications. Entire books have been written explaining how to develop and use them in every aspect of our lives. This chapter will focus exclusively on how mental models can be used to improve our decision-making. I'll define what they are and explain how they're beneficial to the process of making healthy, productive, and rational choices. We'll then take a look at five specific mental models that will prove to be valuable aids when you're making important decisions. What is a mental model? At its core, a mental model is a specific way of thinking about something. It's a lens through which we perceive the world around us and better understand how it works. Mental models can help us to solve problems, contemplate issues, identify opportunities, and establish causal connections. They help us to think better, improve our investigative ability, avoid blind spots, and make wiser, more productive decisions. Numerous models are available to us. We should adopt, practice, and use several whenever we make weighty decisions. As noted by Charlie Munger, Vice Chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, Inc., we need a latticework of mental models to ably deconstruct and solve problems that challenge us. How do mental models improve decision-making? Our decisions are only as effective as our ability to correctly perceive the issues and circumstances that surround them. If we make choices without properly understanding the issues at stake, we risk making poor choices. If we fail to notice the causal connections between inputs and outputs, we risk... Tactic number 13. Perform a paired comparison analysis. Nothing is more difficult and therefore more precious than to be able to decide. Napoleon Bonaparte When faced with a decision for which there are two options, we can use a number of tools to help us make the wisest, most productive choice. The preceding chapters have explored the most useful tools to that end. But how should we approach a decision for which we have several options, some related and others unrelated? How do we make the best possible choice? Most of the tactics we've discussed in the previous chapters will help, but there's one tool that's specifically designed to aid us in this type of scenario, paired comparison analysis. Paired comparison analysis gives us a way to consider a range of possibilities, systematically juxtaposing them against each other. It makes it possible to compare competing, disparate options where the appraisal criteria is subjective, in essence, 
This tool allows us to effectively compare apples to oranges in a way that leads to the right decision. How Relativity Influences Our Decisions We rarely, if ever, make decisions in a vacuum. Instead, we consider possible outcomes and evaluate them based on how they compare to one another. We weigh the risks associated with each outcome. We estimate the odds of each outcome's occurrence. For example, suppose a friend confides in you, I know how you can grow your money by 15% a year. Given that the stock market has historically produced a 10% return each year, this claim sounds enticing. But you might reasonably pause and seek more information. More information allows you to compare your... Tactic number 14. Let your personal values lead the way. It's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. Roy E. Disney Our decisions stem from our values, even if we don't consciously think about them. For example, we decide to eat junk food because, at that particular moment, we value its taste and the sugar rush more than we value our health. We decide to nap because we value the benefits of napping, increased energy, improved mood, etc., more than we value the benefits of other activities at that time. As author Mark Manson once noted, we do what we value. We often make such decisions instinctively. For example, none of us performs a paired comparison analysis to decide whether to eat a donut, cupcake, or salad. We see it, we crave it, we eat it. But that doesn't mean we can't use our personal values to make healthy, productive decisions in a thoughtful and methodical manner. The upside of doing so is we'll act with confidence because our decisions will naturally align with our beliefs, convictions, and priorities. Before we go further, let's define personal values. Personal values in a nutshell. Our values define how we view the world around us. They determine what we find to be meaningful. They dictate what we consider to be ethical, virtuous, and important. They are the principles by which we assess the integrity of our actions and behaviors and decisions. Our values are a major impetus in everything we do. When we act in alignment with our personal values, we feel content. We experience a sense of satisfaction. Even when our decisions lead to unpleasant circumstances, we take solace when those decisions align with our values. Conversely, when we act counter to our principles, we feel at odds with ourselves. Why we make poor decisions. Good decisions come from experience. Experience comes from making bad decisions. Mark Twain. As noted, we like to believe that we consistently make good decisions. We imagine ourselves carefully weighing our options and choosing those that make the most sense, given our circumstances and goals. After all, we're rational, reasoned human beings. Making bad decisions contradicts that persona. The problem is, numerous obstacles stand in our way. They complicate the decision-making process and often cause us to make questionable choices that lead to regrettable outcomes. In this section, we'll examine the most common obstacles. Once we've identified them and understand their influence, we can take steps to avoid and overcome them. Unmanaged Emotions We've discussed emotions as they relate to decision-making in the previous section. They're essential to the process. Moreover, they're unavoidable. The important thing to remember is that our emotions are a double-edged sword 
when it comes to making decisions. On the one hand, they help us to understand our present circumstances. Being aware of our emotional state makes us more aware of the stakes inherent in our choices. This awareness can spur us to make better reasoned decisions. On the other hand, if we fail to manage our emotions, they can cause us to become overly concerned with the potential for negative outcomes. We become fearful, focusing on threats and inflating their perceived impact rather than rationally analyzing the information we've obtained and logically weighing our options. When this happens, the decision-making process can deteriorate into a flight-or-fight response. Our emotions can help us to make smart, reasoned choices, but we must properly manage our emotions to prevent them. Part 3. How to Optimize Your Decision-Making Results We've arrived at the final section of this book. It's a short one. You already possess all the tools you need to make effective decisions that consistently produce good results. This section will provide additional insights to streamline the decision-making process. For many people, making decisions is a constant struggle. We get distracted. We have difficulty choosing between options that seem equally appealing to us. We second-guess ourselves. Sometimes, we're presented with so many viable options that we become paralyzed with indecision. Other times, we become emotionally invested in the process. Plus, we're stressed out, we're anxious, and we're exhausted. This section will ease the strain. We'll cover several practical tips that'll help you to make smarter decisions faster. These tips encourage you to make confident choices without overthinking things. Some of what follows will summarize points we've previously covered, but address them from a fresh perspective. The rest is comprised of many insights you can use immediately to make decisions without fear or regret. We'll end this section with a brief guide on how to create a feedback loop. Feedback loops are an integral yet often overlooked part of the decision-making process. They reveal whether our choices are effective and encourage us to make adjustments that ultimately produce better outcomes down the road. 10 Quick Tips That'll Help You to Make Faster Decisions Decision is a sharp knife that cuts clean and straight. Indecision, a dull one that hacks and tears and leaves ragged edges behind it. Gordon Graham The tips that follow have a single purpose, disparate as they might seem at first glance. They're designed to accelerate your decision-making. Making faster decisions isn't always better than making slower ones, of course. Many decisions warrant contemplation and careful examination. But oftentimes, when we're faced with tough choices, we dawdle unnecessarily. This tendency may stem from fear, lack of confidence, emotional involvement, or simply having too much information in front of us. Whatever the case, these tips will help us to stay focused and make rational, effective decisions in half the time. Tip number one, give yourself a time limit. Working without a time limit opens the door to distraction. With a deadline looming over us, we're tempted to set aside the matter at hand and pursue activities we find more immediately rewarding. For example, social media. We procrastinate. Whenever you're faced with a decision, set a time limit. For fast decisions, use the timer on your phone to keep you on track. Make sure the time limit is reasonable but aggressive, given the type of decision you're making. For example, 
allow three minutes for inconsequential decisions, e.g. what to eat for dinner. Allot one or two hours for weightier matters, e.g. whether to start a particular side business. Devote a week or two to the truly important issues, e.g. whether to get married, seek a new job, or buy a new home. The point is to create a deadline that encourages you to move forward without... 10 Questions to Ask Yourself Before Every Decision It's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. Tony Robbins Asking ourselves questions before we make decisions accomplishes two important aims. First, it disabuses us of impractical, idealistic notions. It forces us to focus on realistic goals and feasible options for bringing them to fruition. Second, it reduces the anxiety that comes with decision-making. Answering these questions encourages us to become pragmatic about our emotions, goals, biases, values, and even the potential consequences associated with our choices. Addressing them up front boosts our confidence. Our answers will either validate our reasoning, prompting us to move forward, or highlight issues that require more contemplation. Brace yourself. We'll move quickly through these questions. You'll undoubtedly find some to be intuitive. A few others recall concepts we've discussed earlier, but in a slightly different context. Either way, there's no reason to belabor them, but presenting them here in one place give you a cheat sheet of sorts that you can refer to whenever you're facing a tough decision. Onward. Question number one. What am I trying to achieve? Sometimes we become so mired in the minutiae of our decisions that we overlook the bigger picture. We can fix this problem with a few basic questions that highlight what we're trying to accomplish. What is my objective? What is my optimal outcome? Why am I doing this? For whom am I doing this? Yeah, I turned this single question into four questions. All four are designed to answer the main one. It's productive because it encourages introspection and can lead to actionable insights. So, fair warning, we'll be doing it again. How to create a feedback loop. Your emotions are making it difficult to accept hard decisions. John C. Maxwell. Feedback loops are present in every aspect of our lives. We find them in our workplaces, in our homes, and on social media. They're present when we interact with friends, family members, clients, and service personnel. They are ubiquitous, even if we fail to immediately recognize them. Sometimes these feedback loops are designed with a specific purpose. For example, businesses often create them as a way to measure performance. Other times, they evolve organically as we learn the positive and negative effects of our behaviors. This is often the case with how we interact with our friends and loved ones. We can create feedback loops that serve a similar purpose when it comes to making decisions. These loops will help us appraise our decisions based on their respective effects and make adjustments to our process when necessary or beneficial. For example, imagine that you're playing a game of chess. Each move you make results in feedback as your opponent takes his or her turn. This feedback reveals whether your previous move advanced your position or impeded it. At the end of the game, You can review your performance in light of this feedback and adjust your approach for better results in the future. This is a simple feedback loop in practice. Below, we'll explore the two main types of feedback loops. We'll then create one that we can use to evaluate our decisions 
and ultimately improve our decision-making skills. Two types of feedback loops. Feedback loops come in two varieties, reinforcing loops and balancing loops. Both are useful. Reinforcing feedback loops are also known as positive loops. They reinforce and amplify the effects of existing systems. For example, suppose you deposit 10 cognitive biases that impact our decisions. 90% of all mental errors are in your head, Yoki Berra. Cognitive biases are mental shortcuts. They help us to simplify, process, and interpret information. On the one hand, they serve a useful purpose. We're constantly inundated with information throughout the day. Our brain creates these biases to make sense of it all. They allow us to filter through the information, identify what's important to us, and use that insight to make decisions. That's the ideal scenario. In practice, our cognitive biases often distort our perception of reality. They prompt us to make hasty, reckless, and erroneous judgments, which, in turn, cause us to make terrible decisions. These biases also lead to blind spots. We fail to recognize our imprudence, believing ourselves to be rational when, in truth, we entertain preconceived notions stemming from logical fallacies. In this way, these mental shortcuts pose as mental errors that can completely derail the decision-making process. All of us harbor cognitive biases, and all of us repeatedly fall victim to them. It's part of our nature. But this doesn't mean we must surrender to them. On the contrary, outsmarting our biases is crucial to our ability to make well-reasoned decisions. To this end, we'll examine the 10 most common counterproductive cognitive biases below. You'll no doubt be familiar with many of them, but a few may surprise you. Number one, anchoring bias. Whenever we're faced with multiple options, our brain tries to create an anchor. This anchor is usually the first bit of information we learn about. The role of decision fatigue. I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. Stephen R. Covey. All of us suffer from decision fatigue. It impacts us every day of our lives. Alarmingly, it usually happens without our realization. It's as inconspicuous as it is exhaustive and can be particularly disruptive to our decision-making process. Decision fatigue can cause us to make unhealthy, irrational choices even when we know those choices are contrary to our goals. Below, I'll explain how decision fatigue occurs and how it affects our ability to make healthy, well-reasoned, and productive decisions. I'll then share several strategies you can start using immediately to make yourself less vulnerable to it. Decision fatigue explained. Think about the last time you came home after a difficult, stressful day at your job. Attending back-to-back -back meetings, negotiating with exasperating clients and co-workers, and putting out an endless series of fires left you feeling exhausted, both physically and emotionally. You craved peace and relaxation. You spent the entire day making decisions, both substantive and trivial, and now, at the end of the day, feel entirely spent. Let's suppose you'd normally don your workout clothes, grab your running shoes, and go for a jog. 
Jogging helps you to clear your head and gives you a chance to exercise, but today is different. You feel completely worn out, so instead you choose to lay on your couch with an armful of junk food and watch Netflix. You've succumbed to decision fatigue. Decision fatigue refers to our diminishing ability to make good choices due to the volume of decisions we've made up to that. Part 2. 14 Tactics for Making Better Decisions We'll rarely possess all of the information we need to make a decision with absolute confidence regarding the outcome. There will always exist uncertainty. The information we need will sometimes be difficult to obtain, and the time and effort required to obtain it may be a poor investment given its anticipated impact. Other times, we'll be hampered by blind spots, prejudices, and biases that threaten to derail our decision-making process. So, it's safe to assume we'll always operate at some level of unawareness. This section of How to Make Better Decisions will provide you with tools you can use to minimize the effect of unknown variables and counterproductive factors. Most of these tactics are simple. The most useful ones usually are. A few are slightly complex. Together, they'll help you to analyze situations methodically and make reasoned choices given the information available to you. These tools provide a second benefit. They'll encourage you to take action. When faced with uncertainty, many of us are tempted to hold off making decisions. We feel insufficiently equipped to choose wisely between conflicting options. Consequently, we become hampered by indecision. The tactics in Part 2 will spur you to take sensible strategic action, even in the face of uncertainty. One last note before we proceed. As mentioned earlier, each chapter in this section ends with an exercise. You may be tempted to gloss over them, promising yourself that you'll do them at some later date. I strongly encourage you to do the exercises as you read the chapters. You'll benefit from the continuity of the content, learning how each tactic works, and then putting it into practice. These exercises... Tactic number one. Identify your desired outcome and why it's important to you. Greatness is not a function of circumstance. Greatness, it turns out, is largely a matter of conscious choice and discipline. Jim Collins It's important to know exactly what we'd like to achieve before we make consequential decisions. This awareness focuses our attention and drives our efforts it gives us purpose and motivation. It spurs us to organize and manage our resources so we're making the most of them. You've no doubt heard the maxim, start with the end in mind. That's precisely how we should approach decision-making. Knowing our desired outcome also helps to ensure the choices we make align with our personal values. When our choices and values are in alignment, we feel more invested in our circumstances we also feel more empowered and responsible for the results of our decisions. We experience a greater sense of agency. When we fail to identify our desired outcome and in the process disregard our personal values, we become rudderless. We become less able to recognize the gravity of our circumstances and the consequences that accompany conflicting options. Worse, losing sight of our core principles we lose our motivation to make choices that feel right to us. We lose the measuring stick by which we determine what is truly meaningful to us. 
So how can we make certain that we're aware of our desired outcome and make choices that align with our values? We do so by asking ourselves and candidly answering the following four questions. One, what do I want to achieve? Be as specific as possible. Two, why do I want to achieve this outcome? Tactic number two, reduce the influence of loss aversion. In any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. Theodore Roosevelt. We discussed loss aversion in part one, understanding our decision-making process. We defined the tendency, clarified how it occurs, and examined its adverse effect on our choices. In this section, we'll work to minimize its influence on us. Loss aversion is based on fear. We dread losing something we value and will go to great lengths to prevent doing so. This something may come in the form of money, or it might be a relationship, article of clothing, or the freedom that comes with having options. Marketers regularly use loss aversion to motivate consumers to buy things regardless of need. E.g., only eight hours remaining before prices increase. Loss aversion sometimes has practical value. An example is auto insurance. We purchase insurance to insulate ourselves from the financial repercussions associated with getting into traffic accidents or suffering damage to our vehicles. Another example is diversifying our investments. Rather than allowing a single stock to make up our entire portfolio, we invest in numerous stocks or mutual funds. This is an attempt to minimize the risk of financial loss. The problem is, when loss aversion is left unchecked, it can wreak havoc with our ability to make reasoned decisions. Rather than helping us to mitigate risk, it induces us to consider all risk as undesirable. This mindset leads to indecision and an... Tactic number three, distinguish between important and unimportant decisions. What is important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. Dwight D. Eisenhower One of the stumbling blocks to making good decisions is our tendency to confuse those that are urgent with those that are important. This confusion typically manifests as an assumption that everything is important and warrants our immediate attention. The assumption is nearly always incorrect and it causes us to feel stressed and exhausted as we struggle to manage one perceived crisis after another. The quote that leads this section is insightful. Eisenhower understood that the ability to distinguish truly important decisions from the merely urgent ones was a key to success, and he developed a system to help him do so. Before we discuss this system, now called the Eisenhower Matrix, let's define two basic terms. Urgent decisions. These demand your immediate attention. They don't necessarily warrant your immediate attention. They just demand it. You can often put them on the back burner and sometimes disregard them altogether. When we attend to urgent decisions, we're forced to do so reactively. An example is the choice to respond right away to persistent emails from a coworker. The emails may be urgent, but whether they're important is still unknown. 
important decisions. These align with our goals and personal values. They help us to make progress toward whatever we're trying to accomplish. When we attend to them, we're usually able to do so rationally and without panic. We're rarely forced to react to important decisions. We have time to think them through. An example is the decision to exercise. Tactic number four, make decisions faster without fear. The risk of a wrong decision is preferable to the terror of indecision. Maimonides. Fear causes indecision. It paralyzes us. It stimulates our natural dread of the unknown and discourages us from making decisions due to the attendant risks. It triggers negative thinking and provokes cognitive biases such as loss aversion. Having said that, fear is an important emotion. It protects us from negative outcomes. It encourages us to be wary of our circumstances and prompts us to take measures to ensure our well-being. For example, when we get into a vehicle, fear of getting into an accident encourages us to put on our seatbelts. When we walk alone during the evening, fear of attack heightens our situational awareness. It spurs us to walk faster and stay in lighted areas. Fear as an emotion is both beneficial and detrimental. The question is, how do we manage it when we make decisions? How do we prevent fear from getting in the way of rational analysis while simultaneously using it as a protective mechanism? How can we make good decisions faster despite our anxiety of the unknown? The solution is to create a practical framework that helps us to circumvent the unproductive part of our fear. This framework should highlight genuine risks and encourage us to rationally assess them. And finally, it should embolden us to make quick decisions with confidence instead of dawdling over baseless concerns. It sounds like a tough assignment, but it's simpler than it seems. The Six-Step Framework for Making Fast Decisions This six-step... This has been How to Make Better Decisions. 14 Smart Tactics for Curbing Your Biases, Managing Your Emotions, and Making Fearless Decisions in Every Area of Your Life. Written by Damon Zariadis, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by Damon Zariadis. Production Copyright by Damon Zariadis. Introduction The choices we make dictate the life we lead. Bill Rago in Renaissance Man most of us take decision-making for granted. We make choices without sufficiently evaluating the variables that impact the results of our choices. Oftentimes, we fail to recognize these variables, which causes us to make uninformed decisions. Our results are predictably less than stellar. We might even make things worse than had we not made a decision at all. The law of unintended consequences is more likely to affect us when we overlook or outright ignore important factors in the decision-making process. We can improve our results by taking greater care with how we make choices. If we do so methodically, considering every variable that might impact our results rather than trusting our intuition, we stand to achieve better outcomes. Ultimately, it's possible to learn how to consistently make good decisions. This book will give you the tools you need to do so. We'll create simple, effective systems you can use to make logical decisions quickly and with 
absolute confidence. What to expect in how to make better decisions. In part one, understanding our decision-making process, we'll investigate how we make decisions, why we often make poor ones, and explore the obstacles that make us stumble. Here, we'll lay the foundation. Learning to make better decisions requires first examining our current processes. We'll highlight common bad habits and routines so we can replace them with more useful ones. We'll discuss the role of emotions, fake urgency, and our tendency to procrastinate. We'll also examine our propensity to make assumptions and cling to counterproductive bonds. Please be sure to visit Amazon.com or Audible.com for more information on this book and the author. Show notes and further information can be found at RussellEricNewton.com. With a collection of trivia, research, news stories, and knowledge from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Overwork Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.